You're listening to Superflexology, a Superflex-focused fantasy football podcast with your hosts, Sean Bauer and Mitch Sorensen. Welcome to episode 30 of the Superflexology Fantasy Football Show, a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. As always, I am joined by Mitch Sorensen, and that's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on, guys? I'm excited for tonight. You kind of gave away the big reveal here by saying guys, but I am thrilled to announce and I, I released something on Twitter earlier in the week, but moving forward on the weekly Dynasty Fantasy Show, we're going to be joined by Dan LaMagna and that's at LC underscore Dean on Twitter. Anybody that listened to the Start Sit series during the season, Dan joined us on a weekly basis and moving forward, he's going to be joining us on the Dynasty Show. So without further ado, Dan, how's it going? Awesome, man. Three's company. It is excellent and a privilege and an honor to be with the Superflexology gents tonight. Now you are one of us. And again, I'm absolutely thrilled that you're going to be joining us moving forward. And it's always interesting because, Mitch, you know this very well, especially with us being co-owners in several leagues. You and I share a lot of the same philosophies. We value players very similarly. And it's nice to have another perspective from a dynasty sense coming on, joining us. And based on the leagues we've been in and different conversations, it's going to be very refreshing, I think, to get another perspective and somebody that, you know, might disagree with some of the things that we have to say. So I'm absolutely thrilled that you're joining us, Dan. It, I am excited as well. It's been, a, you know, a lot of fun competing with and against you guys in the fantasy industry there. So to be a part of the team and uh, get ready for 2020, this is this is going to be a great opportunity. And we're still going to be competing against you. Don't worry. We're not going to take it easy <laughs> on you just because you're joining us here on a weekly basis. But like I said, you had joined us on the weekly Start Sit series throughout the 2019 regular season. So if the listeners, if they typically only tune in for the Dynasty content, they're not familiar with you. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, whether it's personal, fantasy football, whatever you want to share to the listeners. Yeah, my pleasure, JB. Uh, I got my 10-minute uh, bio here typed out, so I'll, uh, I'll try to summarize it for you. Pennsylvania resident who's a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. Not sure how that happened. Might have been separated at birth or something. Proud husband, father, associate vice president over at Lackawanna College, which for our fantasy football listeners has one of the top JUCO football programs in the country. We just played in the national title. We got about five guys in the NFL, 20-some guys every year going D1, D2 uh, college football programs. So our super flexology listeners will hear it here first if a JUCO player is fantasy relevant. And I've had the opportunity to play coach and even own semi-professional football team in a previous lifetime. So I try to add that to some of my uh, fantasy uh, advice. Uh, I've been playing fantasy football since before the Cowboys last won a Super Bowl. We all know that's been a while. But uh, most recently, Scott Fishbowl, nine division champ, uh, unfortunately knocked out in the postseason, hot off a of week 17 in DFS and very hungry after a few second place finishes in dynasty fantasy football. So really uh, excited to dive into 2020 and get a jump start right now with you guys. Yeah, like I said, it's great to have you with us. And whenever we got to know each other a little bit better through all the dynasty leagues that we take part in together, Mitch and I messaged separately because this was right after that you said you were a former owner of a minor league football team. And Mitch and I are like, who the hell is this guy? What kind of ringer did we bring into our leagues here? <laughs> yeah, some some unique experience I have. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's applicable to fantasy football. Not quite a ringer, but uh, I think I aspire to be one. So we'll, we'll see where we go. Excellent. And again, uh, we're thrilled to have you on the show and we're looking forward to the show growing. And, you know, let's see what we can bring to the table here for the 2020 offseason. We typically this is kind of a long intro for us, but, you know, you deserve it. You earned it, Dan, you know, joining the show. But 
typically we like to dive right into it. So that's going to be no different during this off season. This is going to be a pretty straightforward episode. So last week, Mitch and I, we really touched on startup formats and settings that we look for when joining a new league, a new dynasty league. And tonight we're going to run through a few players, a few of them. It's going to be a little bit more of a deep dive, but at the end of the show, kind of quick hitters, guys that we're looking to buy from a dynasty perspective throughout the off season. And it could be for various reasons. One, it could be somebody that we think there's a buy low opportunity, maybe somebody that really underproduced that we think is going to increase in value Two, maybe a veteran that's undervalued that is just going to be a producer or maybe somebody. And Dan, I think this kind of hits on the guys that you were bringing to the table, guys that are going to be priced up, but we're still willing to pay that price. So, Dan, let's start with you. Jump right into it. Who's a guy this offseason that you're really looking to buy, you know, all dynasty formats? Yeah, I'm pretty confident in where I started out in 2019. You know, there's some big guys I was eyeing up, you know, primarily, you know, George Kittle, DJ Moore and Zeke Elliott. I'm going to touch on Kittle and Zeke uh, here, starting with George Kittle. You know, everybody's looking at those big three tight ends of Kelsey, Ertz and Kittle. And so far, I'm hearing those three names again going into next year. But my argument last season going into the year was, you know, hey, we're talking dynasty fantasy football here. So why don't you go after the 26 year old George Kittle as opposed to the 30 year old Travis Kelsey, the 29-year-old Zach Ertz. I think long-term, you know, longevity, you know, staying healthy at a very physical position, Kittle's your guy. You know, average point comparison this year, they're they're pretty close. Kittle, unfortunately, did miss two games this year, but despite that, he still had more yards than Zach Ertz. You know, 78 receptions was third, but his yards per catch and his productions were right up there with those guys. So I did try to get him a lot last year, and I will do so again this year. I think he's, you know, developing a rapport with Jimmy uh, GQ over there at quarterback. They said even last night's game that we just watched versus Seattle, big game. They said they know they have to get George Kittle the football. It's an evolving offense, and he's an unrestricted free agent heading into 2021. So this guy is eventually, he's playing for a contract and is currently underpaid. You know, he's got a four-year contract under $3 million dollars for a premier tight end in the in the football so he's got everything going from age playing for a contract and a very explosive offense that's still evolving yeah george kittle he's somebody that if you talk to a lot of people despite what travis kelsey has done year in and year out like you said he is 30 years old and zach Ertz, he seems to be an already declining asset maybe not from a production standpoint necessarily even though there was a big drop off from 2018 to 2019 but also just a perceived value standpoint he's a tough guy right now whether it's full ppr tight end premium to move whereas george kittle a lot of people have him as their dynasty tight end one so you're even though he is ranked so highly and he's very valuable, you're still looking to buy him and you're okay paying that premium. You know, I don't want to overpay for him, but I'm willing to give a little bit extra. You know, always going to look to get him at the right point in the drafts. And I'm going to aim high and keep trying to trade for him in all of my leagues. Uh, and then as much kiddo as I could get, the better shape I'm at. I'm in. And it certainly doesn't hurt just to shop around, at least find out what the asking price is. Mitch, what are your thoughts on George Kittle? Because going into the 2019 season, we talked about George Kittle on our regression episode. And from a red zone usage standpoint, he was a guy that statistically he was going to positively regress here in 2019 from a touchdown standpoint. And we were talking about this earlier in the week. When you look at the guys in 2019 and what they're projected to do in 2020, if they had similar usage, George Kittle once again 
again, is showing up at the top of that list as a guy that should be positively regressing from a touchdown standpoint. So one, do you think he's just a guy that's always going to be there, kind of like a Keenan Allen was for a few years, where he's going to get used, but he's going to lack in the touchdown department? And two, are you also willing to pay up for him? He's someone that actually I wanted to bring up, but I didn't do it just because of how high I think his price is going to be. But the great thing about when you have one of these top three tight ends is they're completely matchup proof. There isn't, you don't have to worry about Jalen Ramsey for a week. You just plug him in your lineup every single week and you know you're going to be good to go. With Kittle, he is, I think he's easily the tight end one. I don't think you could really make an argument, you know, any other way about it. So I'm willing to pay up for him. I'm willing to overpay for him. In just a normal tight end league with no premium, I still think he's a first round selection this year. He is what Gronk was four years ago before Gronk had all of his injuries. I want Kittle on every team that I could have him next year if the guy is willing to sell him. Because I think the issue we're going to have is the Kittle Kittle owners are just going to want to own Kittle and don't really want to sell him. Something that I've run into this past season, and it's for me personally, I have found that I really like having a strong tight end on my roster. It helps me sleep at night. It is so difficult and so frustrating to look at a roster. And there was one 14-team Superflex League where I actually had to play Rhett Ellison a few weeks this year. And it was it made me sick. And I think it shows, and I think a lot of people share that sentiment where they're looking and they're okay paying up for a tight end because they know, like you said, Mitch, you're not relying on a good matchup. You know, I had Travis Kelsey or George Kittle in several leagues this year. There was never a week where I looked at the matchup and thought, oh, I might have to bench him this week. It's a set it and forget it type situation. I think one thing that hasn't been brought up, the signing of Emmanuel Sanders this year and bringing him in, or I guess the the trade, but he's a free agent after this year. So with the emergence of Debo Samuel and some of the younger players and the strong running game, and obviously George Kittle, I don't know if they really looked to sign him to a contract extension. So maybe that opens things up a little bit more for George Kittle. But I want to look at some of the guys. So one thing that we didn't want to do, and we talked about this off the air, was saying what draft picks you would trade for a certain player. Because right now, looking at draft picks, it's really tricky. One, the value of the 2020 draft picks is absolutely insane. And rightfully so, potentially. It's a really good class. But you're not going to see a lot of moves here at the end of December, beginning of January. So I think what I want to do here, it's kind of an either-or situation. We're getting into a lot of startups at this point. So I'm looking at the current ADP in startups. And it's skewed a little bit because it's still based on December information. So that's going to be adjusting. But let's look at George Kittle and the guys going around him. And I wanted to look at different positions. So Dan, I'm going to start with you. George Kittle or Derrick Henry? Probably the hardest one. You know, if it's tight end premium, especially if it's two points. uh, No, no, No premium, full PPR. No premium. I'm going to roll with Derrick Henry. I just think he's hot right now in the value of a running back. Um, I think you need those big running backs, especially if you don't get one of the top three, then you're definitely looking at Derrick Henry. So I'll say Derrick Henry here. His contract doesn't worry you being in the last year of his deal, not being re-signed yet. I just think Derrick Henry's a beast. I liked him going into this year. Mitch knows that a little bit. I know Mitch was a little skeptical because of his pass catching, uh, but I'm a I'm a Derrick Henry truther bandwagon there. I'll take him wherever he goes. All right, George Kittle or Kenny Galladay. There I take George Kittle for the value of the position at tight end. I'll find another receiver. Give me George Kittle and let me lock down that tight end position. All right, and then last one, we're going back to another running back, Leonard Fournette, who's actually going right ahead of George Kittle. 
I don't believe in Leonard Fournette as much as I do Derrick Henry. You know, I know everybody talks about his injuries. He was healthy this year. I think long term, I am, you know, still a little more skeptical of his health. I also think Fournette's a hothead. I've watched his teammates. He had a little bit more restraint this year, but he's always like a someone getting in his head from being ejected from a football game. Uh, I'm going to take more stability and I'm going to go with George Kittle. All right, so from Dan's side, he's going George Kittle over Kenny Galladay and Leonard Fournette, but going Derrick Henry over Kittle. Mitch, over to you. Kittle or Derrick Henry? I'm taking Kittle over all of them. Just to make it short and sweet, he's better than all those guys. Derrick Henry's going to be great for maybe two more years, and you're going to get at least another five or six out of Kittle. So I'd much rather have Kittle. And especially, like we talked about, being ranked at the top of his position, you're going to be able to get a little bit more value in return if you do have him. So I would be okay taking him over all three. Now, that's from a startup perspective. If we're talking about a league that's actually already existing, I could kind of see this going any which way, depending on your team makeup and if you're content tending if you have tight end depth we don't have to dive into it but i could see that going so many different ways and i think those four guys they're a good range of values if you're in an existing league but throughout the offseason especially early here in the 2020 offseason dan the man is looking to buy george kittle even if he has to give a little bit extra but we know how those negotiations with dan can go sometimes it's like <laughs> pulling teeth uh, i kid of course that's uh, fair that's fair right. <laughs> i had to give you a little jab there on your first show with us Man, over to you. Who is a guy that you're looking to buy here in the offseason? Well, at least two. I have two guys that are just going to kind of go together. But the first is going to be Hollywood Brown. And just like last year with the Rams, we want to have pieces of this Ravens offense moving forward now. And I think Hollywood is going to be one of the cheaper pieces you can get without having to pay like a really big price on top. Last offseason, he didn't he wasn't able to participate in the NFL combine. He didn't go through any training camp. Week one, he only had 14 snaps, and I think he still had three touchdowns that game. So throughout the season, he had about an 18% target share. And before his injury, he was clocked at 4.32. And there's articles all over saying that he's convinced he would have broke John Ross's 40-time record there at the combine. So He's really fast. He fits exactly what the Ravens want. And the Ravens have nothing besides him at wide receiver. They have Willie Sneed. They have, if I mean, unless you think Miles Boykin is going to be a thing, which I don't think is even a possibility. And right now, if you go on Twitter, you will see everybody is talking up Darius Slayton. They're talking up Terry McLaurin. They're, I mean, A.J. Brown is the hottest guy there is, as he should be. But Hollywood should be in the conversation, I think, right after A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. He should be the next guy up there. So I want to get him on as many teams as possible. And then just really quick off that, Justice Hill is going to be in the same spot. Mark Ingram's going to be turning 31 next year. Gus Edwards is an exclusive right free agent. So Justice Hill has a great shot to either take over the backfield in future years or take over when Mark Ingram gets injured. So he's someone else that I'm willing to go and try to buy this year. I actually think so. Anybody that follows me on Twitter, they know that I'm a big Mark Ingram guy. And I kind of, you know, say in jest quite often that there are the people that thought Justice Hill was going to take over that job this year because there were people talking about it. But from a dynasty perspective, we have to be real here. And like you said, Mark Ingram, he's going to be 31 years old. Not a ton of tread on the tires, but how much longer can he really sustain this type of production? And I do think Justice Hill is a nice buy low. You're going to have owners that are going to be a little bit impatient. They were looking for more of a return in year one. And when he's been given the opportunity, we've seen some splash plays and we've seen him be productive in 
at times. But like I said, I think you're going to have people that are a little bit impatient. And once this 2020 draft comes around, if there's somebody, let's say there's somebody floating in the third round that one of your league mates really has their eye on and they have Justice Hill, you might be able to get Justice Hill for a 2023rd. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. So I like Justice Hill from a buy low perspective. I also like Hollywood Brown just because like you said, Mitch, I think it was spot on. He is overshadowed by these other rookies. He didn't have the entire offseason to really prepare and grow with Lamar Jackson, but we've seen his explosiveness on a weekly basis. And I actually think a few things. I think Lamar Jackson, he's going to begin to throw the ball a little bit more. I was very skeptical about him as a passer. He's looked pretty good. And I know there are people out there that still like to make the running back jokes and still say, yeah, well, he's not a great passer. He has exceeded expectation from that perspective. And even I have to say, who's a big Josh Allen guy, but I have to say that I've been very impressed with Lamar Jackson as a pure passer, not just what he's bringing from the running perspective. So I like Hollywood Brown there too. I think he's probably a guy, we talked about Justice Hill for a pick, but maybe Hollywood Brown, you could move a veteran to a team that might be looking for more weekly stability, maybe a Golden Tate when the season comes around. I don't know. I'm just throwing that name out there. But looking at the guys going around those two, and Mitch, we'll start with you, then we'll go over to Dan. Hollywood Brown, these are the guys, current December ADP. Would you go Hollywood Brown or T.Y. Hilton? Hollywood Brown, easily. Hollywood Brown or Hawkinson? Hollywood Brown. And then I, this is going to be an easy one. I already know what you're going to pick. Hollywood Brown or Philip Lindsay? Hollywood Brown. <laughs> you yeah, you hate Philip Lindsay. Well, I think I, it's because you can't say his name. You say that exactly. And I, I don't <laughs> pick him that I don't have to say it. Right, right. All right. And then Justice Hill. Are you going to go Justice Hill or Hunter Renfro? Oh, Justice Hill. Hill or Mostert? See, I think Mostert, and that's probably a low, because I think he's going to go a lot higher than Justice Hill. So I'll definitely go Mostert. Yeah, again, it, the ADP hasn't really caught up. I think once January mocks start coming through, Mostert is going to be one of the bigger risers because of what we've seen here at the end of the season. And then we're going over the tight end position, Mike Kosicki. Oh, I'd rather have Justice Hill. Guys like Kosicki, there's 12 of them in the league that you can pick up at any time. So I'd rather have Justice Hill. Okay, Dan. Looking at Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown or T.Y. Hilton? For the Hollywood Brown, I'm going to pull a Mitch here, and I'm going to say Hollywood Brown over all of them. Upside, youth, explosive. Give me Hollywood Brown all the way. Lindsey, I, I like him more than Mitch. I just think it's unfortunate he's got to split so many carries. So Hollywood Brown all the way for me, JB. I will take Hollywood Brown over T.Y. Hilton. The age, obviously, it's a concern. The injuries, what's going to happen at the quarterback position. I'm going to take Hollywood Brown over Philip Lindsay. Hollywood Brown and Hawkinson, it's a toss-up for me. Again, in a startup, maybe I see if I landed any of the big tight ends. If not, maybe I go with Hawkinson. Didn't really produce here in 2019, had the injury, and we all were saying he was going to be the second coming of Rob Gronkowski based off that first game that the Lions had, and Hawkinson just exploded. But he really came back down to earth, and I think that presented a nice buy window. So Hollywood Brown, Hawkinson, it's a toss-up for me. I can see it going either way. Dan, Justice Hill, Hill or Renfro? Before I even answer this, John, I got to say, I like Mitch's two picks as far as the timing of these two guys. Just wrapping up Hollywood Brown, young, explosive. I think there's a lot of upside. And I think once he goes boom, and I think he projects to me like a Brandon Cooks or a T.Y. Hilton. And then once he's at his highest, I would sell, sell, sell. And then now to touch on Justice Hill, he's a guy I think we're talking about tonight on the Super Flexology pod here, just in the nick of time. Because I think, like you said before, you could still get him at a good price. I think in the last few weeks, I've been watching more of 
those Ravens games and he is really flashed. I'm thinking, boy, Gus Edwards goes. It's Ingram and Hill all the way. Ingram's only got, I'd say, one more really good year. And I think it'll be a matter of time before Hill takes over. So nice time to buy on Justice Hill. We might even be a few weeks late. Yeah, I I, I think it's going to be probably easier in startups as opposed to existing leagues because there are times, you know, a truther might have him on the roster and it's going to be much more difficult to buy them. But Justice Hill or Hunter Renfro? Justice Hill. I don't want another Cole Beasley on my roster. <laughs> All right. Uh, Raheem Mostert. This one gets me. I think Mostert's old, guys. He's 27. I think this is recent hype. I think come next year, the Niners have a new running back, or he's just in the mix. But he's just, he's getting a lot of hype for it to me, who's already almost an old running back who's just flashing for the first time. All right. And then Mike Gesicki. This one's a little harder than me for than it was for Mitch here. He Gesicki's flashed a bit this year, and I think Miami's trending in a better direction. They get themselves, you know, a young quarterback, and they keep building. You know, I, I guess if it's not, we're saying it's not tight end premium, I'll go with Justice Hill, but it's a little harder for me. Okay, and then one question, and I'm glad that, Mitch, you brought these two guys up because there's been a lot of talk today. There are teams interested in Greg Roman, and— Rightfully so. That offense has been, it's been explosive. And how much of it is the players? How much is it the scheme? But Greg Roman, he's getting a lot of interest from other teams, one of which is the Cleveland Browns. And they asked for permission to interview him. How much of an impact do you think it has on this Ravens offense moving forward if Greg Roman is not there as the OC in 2020? And I'll open it up to either of you. I don't think there's a chance Greg Roman goes, to be honest with you. I, you know, I know he's a little bit of a hot candidate, but unless he's taking Lamar Jackson with him, I don't think he has that same impact anywhere. So I think it would hurt the Ravens because I think he's really behind a lot of the success of this current offense. But, you know, like any good leader, they have a succession plan. So I know Coach Harbaugh knows if he does go, they're grooming somebody. So I don't think you'd see much of a difference, but I don't see Roman leaving. Okay, so not much of an impact from your perspective. Mitch, what about you? Same thing? Yeah, same here. I I just trust the Ravens franchise as a whole. They've always been good. They find a way to make it work. They're finding ways to make it work with Joe Flacco. So they'll be completely okay with Lamar Jackson going forward. And like Dan said, I don't see Roman really going anywhere because he was the Kaepernick guy, and now he's with Lamar Jackson. Unless the Bengals, for some reason, fire Taylor, and then maybe he goes there. Wayne Burrow, you know, goes number one. Maybe that's a chance, but I don't see any reason why he'd go, want to go coach the Giants and be with Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think we're going to see at least one more year. Like you said, he's a hot candidate, but from a career trajectory and an opportunity in front of him, it does make a lot of sense for him to stay with Baltimore. I am going to go Justice Hill over Raheem Mostert without a doubt. Hunter Renfro, he's an interesting guy for me because when I do my 75 quick hitters to wrap up the episode tonight, I have him on there and he's coming off of an injury but he's been productive. And actually, out of the three rookies, Hunter Renfro, A.J. Brown, and Terry McLaurin, all three of those guys, they have a yards per route run over two. And I think Renfro is right around that puts him like 20th out of wide receivers. But that's pretty impressive. And somebody had a tweet and it was really fantastic information. And it showed historical information from rookie wide receivers that had yards per route run of at least two, I think 1.75 and 1.5 or however it was broken down. But historically, wide receivers that have at least two yards per route run in their rookie year 
have gone on to have success. Now you look at Renfro and is it strictly because of the opportunity and the lack of weapons around him? Possibly, but he's cut into Darren Waller's productivity whenever he's been on the field and he's been utilized. So he's somebody that I have my eye on this offseason. Again, he might be easier to get in startups as opposed to existing leagues, but I'm still going to throw some offers out there, especially if I have some of those mid-2020 draft picks. Once they get on the clock, maybe it's somebody that I could buy if there's nobody out there that I'm interested in from a rookie perspective. So I think I'm going to go Hunter Renfro over Justice Hill, but again, I'm going Justice Hill over Mostert and Mike Gesicki. It's the same thing as the Hollywood Brown, TJ Hawkinson comparison, depending on my situation, team makeup. I like Mike Gesicki a lot. One thing that concerns me is assuming they move on from Ryan Fitzpatrick and bring in a rookie or whether they have another bridge quarterback or hell, maybe they give Ryan Fitzpatrick another one-year deal, but I'm concerned with Mike Gesicki moving forward because we don't know the quarterback situation. And then you have the re-emergence of Devontae Parker, Preston Williams coming back. He'll be healthy next year. So there are some question marks there, but Justice Hill, Mike Kosicki, it's a toss-up for me depending on my team needs. You guys can yell at me if you want because I kind of had a cop-out answer there for the two of them. It's all good, JB. I do want to touch on Hunter Renfro again. You know, one, that counts as your quick take. You can't use it later on. And then second, <laughs> you know, don't, the one question I would have for you is at that point in the draft, I know last year, you know, you'd be looking at a Hunter Renfro and Justice Hill, for example, and you'd see, you know, 20 decent receivers still that you could take. But then that running back pool got really thin last year. And that might be, I would think, the tilting piece for me to go Justice Hill over Renfro, even if you're a Renfro truther like yourself. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I say Hunter Renfro over Justice Hill today. If you ask me tomorrow, I think it's really close. And I think the ADP is indicative of that. So if I'm building my roster and maybe I'm looking for another running back that I think can blossom over the next two years, maybe in that situation, I do go Justice Hill. You've talked me into it, Dan. I'm going to change that one to another cop-out answer. And it's going to be the same thing that I said with Mike Kosicki. Depending on my team makeup, I could see it going either way. Two guys that I like moving forward. I did not like Justice Hill in 2019, and he really wasn't productive from a fantasy perspective. But I think moving forward, he's going to have a few years left on his rookie deal when Mark Ingram's done, and he might be given an opportunity. And I think we've seen what Gus Edwards has done in that offense as well. I think any running back is going to be productive in that offense with the way the offensive line looks, what Lamar Jackson brings to the table, the way they spread people out with three wide receiver sets. It's going to be a fun offense to watch, especially like we said, if Greg Roman does stay there. So one guy, when we talked about dynasty buys that really popped into my head, I talked about him last year, Mitch, we talked about him because I think we compared him to Jarvis Landry because they were in the same value tier. And he's somebody that I think we can expect to see a dynasty value increase throughout the offseason. And it's Tyler Boyd. We talked about him last year. We're talking about him again this year. He's a prime candidate to see value increasing throughout the offseason. He showed what he can do as the go-to receiver. And there were big question marks heading into 2019 because we had A.J. Green. He had the injury. We saw Tyler Boyd at the end of 2018. He really didn't take the lead there as the wide receiver, as the go-to wide receiver. And we talked about him being a guy that was a really good number two, but couldn't be productive as a wide receiver one. There were a few things that really didn't work in his favor this year, one of which, and regrettably, it's Ryan Finley. He was wide receiver 43 over that period where Ryan Finley was his quarterback. He closed out the season from weeks 13 to 16, wide receiver 10 over that stretch, wide receiver 21 overall. Weeks one through eight with Andy Dalton, he was wide receiver 16. So he was right at the edge of a wide receiver one 
with Andy Dalton as his quarterback this year. We know the expectation is that Joe Burrow is going to be drafted first overall. And looking at Andy Dalton's contract, he is a cut candidate, even though you might make the case where they keep him because it really isn't a huge contract for this year. So maybe they keep him, let Burrow learn a little bit. But I, I think Dalton is the he's a clear cut candidate here, Joe Burrow, to start week one. And with this alone, with the anticipated arrival of Joe Burrow, especially what we saw in that semifinal game where he had, what, seven or eight touchdowns, his value is going to be crazy in super flex leagues this offseason. And a direct correlation there, Tyler Boyd's value is going to spike. He had the seventh most targets in the NFL with 148. Only 76% of those targets were catchable. That ranked 52nd. So there, yes, he had the 148 targets, but a lot of them, there wasn't an opportunity there for him. He ranked 12th in contested catch percentage, 46%. A lot of snaps coming out of the slot, 65%. You have a young quarterback in Joe Burrow coming in, even though he might be fantastic. Tyler Boyd's going to be that nice check down option that is going to be a nice safety valve for a young quarterback. He is, Tyler Boyd, six out of all slot receivers with at least 300 snaps in terms of yards per route run. So I talked about yards per route run with Hunter Renfro. Out of the slot, 1.83. When you compare that to guys out, out wide, it's not a great number, but out of the slot, it's a really strong number. It ranks sixth. And we talked about George Kittle from a positive regression standpoint in terms of touchdowns. There is a slight opportunity there for Tyler Boyd to see positive regression in the touchdown category if he has the same usage, especially if the percent of targets that are catchable increases. And one last thing on Tyler Boyd, I know this is stat overload, but you know that's the way I look at him, a numbers guy. He only had 10 red zone targets in 2019. And that really surprised me. But you look at the offense and you think about it. They weren't a really good offense, obviously. Only had two wins. So moving forward, Tyler Boyd, with all the obstacles and hurdles he had to overcome in 2019 with poor quarterback play, awful offensive line, a new system, Zach Taylor bringing everything over. I think Tyler Boyd, only 25 years old, a new contract. He's locked up until 2023 at like $8 million a year. So I don't see him going anywhere. I love him going into this offseason and leading up to 2020. Guys, what are your thoughts there? Tyler Boyd, we've talked about him on our weekly start-sit series several times this year. What do you think about him from a dynasty perspective? Mitch, I think we need to go get Tyler Boyd so we could trade him to John. How about, <laughs> what do you think? I agree, dude. So I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate here because I do like Tyler Boyd. As you said, he wasn't very good in 2018 when AJ Green was out. And um, he was he was all right this year. He was someone who you could plug in as your third wide receiver and be happy with it each week. But... Is he just a little bit of a better version of Jamison Crowder? And he's not going to give you the ceiling that even some like Keenan Allen could give you on a on a season basis. I don't think he's a Keenan Allen. I'm not making that argument. I like Keenan Allen a lot. I would say he's only one or two tiers below him, though. And I know, Mitch, you get on me and you hate it whenever I say a wide receiver is target dependent because what wide receiver isn't target dependent, right? You need targets to get the ball. But I think Tyler Boyd's going to be in that category. But only 76% of his targets were catchable in 2019. And you have to assume if Joe Burrow comes in, yeah, there might be some struggles initially. But I think Tyler Boyd, he's going to have a much better opportunity to blossom and grow with a quarterback like Joe Burrow as opposed to Andy Dalton, who just didn't look great this year. But did Andy Dalton not look great? Or was it that terrible offensive line, that rookie head coach that looks like he has as much experience as my nine-year-old son? And uh, <laughs> they're, they're the Bungles, John. They're the, they're the Cincinnati Bengals. How much better could the Bengals get? I almost feel bad for Andy Dalton. And he's going to be a quick hitter later on. 
you know, I, to Mitch's point with you, you know, Izzy, you know, I kind of do compare him to Crowder. I do like Boyd. I would definitely draft him. But, you know, as you sold Hunter Renfro to us before, if I'm at that point in the draft and I need a receiver, am I taking Tyler Boyd? Or, you know, I look at my list from last year. I had Boyd in that class looking at, you know, A-Rob, Mike Williams, Christian Kirk, Cortland Sutton. I see more upside in those guys than I do with Tyler Boyd. So I'm, I'm a little hesitant i might pass on boyd and get your boy hunter renfro many rounds later on so like him but don't love him even though you definitely sold with sold this with a lot of facts so i'm going to get boyd tonight so i could trade him to you and there are concerns with the offensive line they were horrendous but they also had preseason injuries jonah williams the first round pick in 2019 he's going to be back he's going to be healthy and i expect the offensive line to improve a little bit they're not gonna be fantastic no there are going to be some growing pains but at Tyler Boyd's current price, let's talk about the guys that are going around him. So, Dan, we're going to start with you because you seem a little more skeptical than Mitch. Tyler Boyd or Adam Thielen? I'm going to add this too, John. A.J. Green comes back. So now all those games where there was no one else to throw to, now they have somebody else to throw to. Um, that, that concerns me a little bit as well. But, this is uh, the last year of his deal, though. And we don't know if he's going to be franchised, if he's going to re-sign, but we don't know what's going to happen. There are some variables there. We have to see how that plays out. They could also sign somebody else. Uh, not quite sure, but they are the Bungles, so I think they'll mess it up no matter what direction they go in. Um, but, you know, versus Thielen, you know, Thielen just seems to disappear. He's pushing 30. Um, I will take Boyd in his upside over Thielen. Thank you. Obviously, I agree there. What about <laughs> David Mon- What about David Montgomery? Ooh, see, now we're going against the running back position, which is even harder. Montgomery, you know, he still has upside. He still flashes, still have concerns. I don't want to get stuck at running back, so I think I'll roll the dice with Montgomery. Now, let me ask you, it, does it change anything? Let's say it's an existing league and you're looking to rebuild. So while David Montgomery is a young running back, obviously, would you rather have Tyler Boyd from a rebuilding perspective because most likely he's going to retain value, if not rise? Or would you stick with the running back there? I know in Dynasty, it's often, you know, the, the receiver could be the safer pick. They're going to have a longer career. But uh, again, I just if I'm rebuilding, I still want to be strong at running back first. So I'm, I'm going to lean Montgomery. All right. And then what about Austin Eckler? Eckler's situation dependent. And I, I know he's a, well, he's one of your hits. We each have a running back hit to get to. Um, you know, if Eckler's the guy, I'm going Eckler. He's young. He's explosive. He's a PPR monster. Um, but if he's sharing carries again with somebody, uh, I'd lean Tyler Boyd. Okay. And then, Mitch, over to you real quick. Let's feel in Montgomery, Eckler. Are you taking Boyd over any of those three? I would take him over Montgomery just because I don't think Montgomery's very good. I think we just drafted him off his landing spot spot more than anything. And I don't think he'd be even a top five back in this draft coming up. So I would definitely take Boyd over him, Boyd over Thielen, and I would easily take Eckler over Boyd. Okay, so I'm hoping that a lot of people share your thoughts here. And people like you, Dan, I'm talking to you too. (laughs) You're the reason that his value is so low right now. So again, I welcome this and I really, I embrace the hate because this is somebody that I want to buy this offseason. But now if you two acquire him, I highly doubt I'm going to get him at a reasonable price. I think I'm I'm tainted a little bit too because you know we read all that preseason hype and there was one site that was like Tyler Boyd's gonna blow up he's gonna be awesome all of the, all these things and he had moments but he wasn't that so I, I think I just a little bit underwhelmed by some of those quiet weeks and uh, Mitch's Jamison Crowder comparison but to your point JB it may be the time for you to get him he's gonna have quiet spots in the season whenever Ryan Finley who I actually had hopes for but he was horrendous but again uh, one of you referenced. 
once maybe AJ Green's there, or at least another receiver's there to take some targets. I will take, you can knock that down to 120 targets. If he's sustaining more of a higher catchable target rate, I can live with that trade-off. So give me the more accurate targets as opposed to the higher target share. I'm okay with that trade-off. So I, I like the back and forth, but I'm I'm going Boyd over all three, Thielen, Montgomery, Eckler, but Eckler is one other guy that I'm going to dive into. So we'll kind of touch on that a little bit later here. Who's your second guy here? All right, my second guy, similar to my first. I know list, listeners are probably saying, boy, is Dan's captain obvious here, all right? But the reason I'm choosing these guys, you know, going back to George Kittle, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, hey, Kelsey, Kelsey, Kelsey. Even a year ago, George Kittle was my number one tight end. So I want everyone to know, you know, as you go into, you know, if you're drafting early, like you maniacs that are already looking at Dynasty startups here and we're still in the 2019 playoffs, I want Kittle first. Uh, but for running backs, I am a Zeke Elliott guy um, all the way. And I'm, I'm a Zeke Elliott guy for a a lot of reasons because I think there's some misconceptions out there and I think some of those misconceptions are he's tailing off Zeke's not the same what's going on with Zeke this year as you know I've watched every single Dallas Cowboy game on the Sunday ticket and he looks good he's gashing defense I think it's more of a product of the struggles of the offense because of their coaching right now and I know there's the Tony Pollard train that's out there well aware of that and I do like Tony Pollard but I think Tony Pollard is the guy that's going to spell him, you know, have a role and is more a safety valve in case Zeke gets hurt. But Zeke is 24 and very durable. And I think when we all look at our first pick in a startup draft, we're looking for safety first. We never want to mess up that first pick. So when we're comparing a Barkley, whose O-line is just still atrocious, and a Kamara, who's sometimes fragile or maybe, you know, competing with Latavius Murray. Not that I don't love Barkley and and, uh, Kamara, because I do. I just think Zeke is a lot safer. And when you look at his stats, they are identical to a year ago. And that is with him holding out this year. All right. And as with Dallas's offensive, you know, coordinator struggles in a 500 season, he had 304 carries last year, 301 this year, 1434 for yards last year, 1357 this year. So he's very close. 4.7 yard uh, 4.7 yards per carry last year, 4.5 this year. And his touchdowns actually doubled. The one thing Dallas did a little bit better is the red zone offense this year, which they knew they had to focus on. His touchdowns went from 6 to 12. Receiving dipped a little bit this year from 77 to 54 receptions, even though his yardage was still close. So I don't think Zeke has missed a beat. I just think there's some misconceptions that he's tailing off or isn't worth his salary this year when he looks good. And I think the coaching changes you're going to see in the offseason are for the better. Once the clapper goes, the 10 years of misery in Dallas should end. He still has the great wall of Dallas block blocking for him. He'll have a full camp under his belt. And I think they're just going to get improved with this new coach and staff. So Zeke all the way for me is, you know, if I don't get CMC number one, I'm I'm going with Ezekiel Elliott. So there are two things that I want to say, and I'm going to make it very short and sweet. And I actually agree with you, Dan. I have Ezekiel Elliott in a few leagues. And of course, as soon as the season ends, I update my trade bait, assuming trading's open in those leagues. And in most of the leagues, they are. And I actually included Ezekiel Elliott, but I'm going to be pulling him back. And there's a few things that I really like about Zeke. One, that contract he just signed. It's a big contract. It's a long contract. He's probably one of the safer running backs at this point. Not that any of them are ever safe, but he's a safer option. We don't have to worry about a holdout in the next two years. You look at guys like Barkley, Camara, CMC. We don't know if they're going to be getting the contracts they're looking for initially. And a holdout could possibly be on the radar. Am I saying it's going to happen? No, but I think Zeke's safer from that perspective. Also, the other thing that I love about his situation, the coaching regime is going to be changing here in this offseason. And as we see, whether it should really hold a bearing or not, we're going to see a value spike. And how much higher can Zeke's value 
how you really go, right? You know, it's it's pretty much a top five startup pick still, but you're going to have a lot more hype. And the one thing that really did drop off, he wasn't utilized in the passing game in 2019 the way he was in 2018. So his ceiling was a little bit lower, but he was, like you said, Dan, you went through all the rushing statistics. He was still fantastic. And the touchdowns actually increased, so it helped offset the receptions a little bit. But that's something that I hope we see a little bit more. We saw it in 2018. We saw what he can do with that usage, and I'm hoping we see it in 2020 and beyond. So I can actually appreciate Ezekiel Elliott being a guy that you're willing to buy in this offseason. But again, just like George Kittle, you're going to have to pay the price. And I know if Dan has Ezekiel Elliott, I'm going to have to give up <laughs> probably 10 first round picks. I'm going to have to send him a few gift cards for nice steak dinners. My uh, Maybe my firstborn child. I don't know. The asking price is going to be steep, though. But again, I can appreciate Zeke being on this list. Mitch, really quickly, what are your thoughts on Ezekiel Elliott? Are you OK buying him or is it somebody because of his price you might stay away from? My problem with Zeke is he is my like the bottom of the top four for me between CMC, Zeke, Barkley and Dalvin. I would rather have the other three over Zeke just because I think they all have more home run potential than what Zeke has. And I just end up liking them a little bit more than what I like Zeke. Dalvin's made out of glass, though, Mitch, and, you know, Kamara just doesn't hold the same value to me. You know, Barkley, I I could definitely see the argument there. He's a phenomenal talent. I just don't believe in the team right now. And, guys, once they hire Josh McDaniels, those receptions are going to go back up. That offense could be a powerhouse. So I'm holding hope there. Yeah, I agree Zeke's better than Kamara, but I think Zeke and Dalvin's going to be one of the more talked about issues going throughout this offseason. Well, uh, another another season, season that Dalvin did not finish and his contract's up after 2020. I might be wrong on that, but I talked about holdout candidates. Dalvin Cook makes a lot of sense. Somebody that hasn't finished the last two seasons, a lot of injury concerns. I'm not saying he will hold out, but it makes sense if he were going to be the guy to do it. He steps in next year on the last year of his deal and he gets injured. Do you think he lands a big contract? If he's holding out, then he's probably not going to get injured. I don't want right. that risk of him holding out. Or but I think injured. we're going to have that risk with almost all these young running backs. We were talking about Christian McCaffrey in one of our other leagues, and there's a good chance he holds out too. So are you going to drop him off the number one spot just because you're afraid that he's going to hold out? And I think he has the highest likelihood too this year. See, he, he doesn't have the injury tag that Dalvin Cook now has. I mean, I say he right. now has. Dalvin Cook's been injured every year dating back to third grade, I think. <laughs> Right? So CMC, I wouldn't match, but those other guys, give me Zeke. I'll pass on the risk. I also will take Zeke over Dalvin. But one interesting thing you brought up, Dalvin, Mitch, I saw a Twitter poll. And if you would have thrown this Twitter poll out there week eight, week nine, it would have been 100% to zero. But it was a 50-50 split in Dynasty, Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon. A 50-50 split. And that's how quickly Dynasty values change. Yeah, it's true. But, I mean, Joe Mixon should really be a buy. But I guess we can't buy him low anymore because he did have one good week. So it completely changes that. Oh, please. One good week. He has been a, a top-end running back the last five, six weeks. I was season. being a little facetious. Calm one down. You're getting me all riled up over here. I got, my, <laughs> I got my new microphone all set up, which I'm absolutely thrilled about. But now my blood pressure is high because you're making fun of Joe Mixon here. But it's just, you know, like we talk about these running backs, they're all are possible holdout situations. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on. And when we get into the contract episode, we're really going to dive into it at that point in time. Mitch, you have a running back here that you want to talk about that you're buying. I do. This one should make you happy because this was your big guy going 
into the rookie draft last year is so Devin Singletary in the 10 games after the Bills buy, he was RB 18 over those weeks. And I think the biggest thing to look at with him is they continue to use Frank Gore on the goal line for whatever reason. Inside the 10, Frank Gore got 18 carries while Singletary only got three. But the good thing we did see from Singletary is he went from about seven touches week seven to averaging over 20 touches the last three weeks of the season. And that was going against the Steelers and the Patriots. I mean, the Bills had an absolutely horrible fantasy playoff schedule. So I think that'll keep Devin's price down a little bit. And going into next year, just like we talked about with the Ravens, we love running backs with those rushing quarterbacks. Even though Josh Allen didn't run that much this year, the defense still has to prepare for it. So with Devin Singletary's price going into next year, I threw out some offers today. And everyone pretty much has him, who owns him now, has him kind of as a late first in value. And I'm kind of right there, too. I just didn't have any late first in those leagues to give up for him. Right. And obviously, he was a guy that I was really high on going into 2019 from a dynasty perspective. And I still have a ton of shares. I actually moved a few of them. And hindsight being 2020, it was for a, a playoff push or uh, better jockeying in the semifinals and finals. And it actually didn't pan out in my favor. So kind of a wasted trade. But yeah, I, I think in the range he's going still, he's a value. My one concern is we talk about Frank or he he can't play forever, right? As long as Devin Singletary can avoid a running back being drafted in 2020, I love his upside. And I actually, if he if he can make it through that 2020 draft without the Bills spending even decent draft capital on a running back, I, I love the potential for his value to increase. And I would be shocked if they spent, again, even decent draft capital on a running back with the wide receiver situation. I would like to see them upgrade that with that horrid offensive line and probably some pieces on defense they want to improve i would be very shocked to see them bring a running back in so devin singletary he's still a buy for you even though there is a lot of hype around him but i like you said i think that playoff schedule it's going to bring that value down just a little bit because people are so short-sighted and they look at those short-term outcomes and do those long-term projections when it shouldn't work that way so we look at the people around him mitch devin singletary or adam thielen singletary singletary or tyler boyd singletary Singletary or, and this shows you how far this guy's dropped, Zach Ertz. Yeah, I think at this point you have to go Singletary. I mean, I don't like, if I'm going to play one week, I'd rather have Ertz, but Dynasty, give me Singletary. I'll kind of show my hand a little bit here. Zach Ertz and Devin Singletary, again, full PPR, no premium, because Zach Ertz would be going much earlier if it was a premium. But I think if I'm making a playoff push or I'm a contender, let's say in 2020, I might be okay depending on my team situation. It's always tricky with these tight ends. And I talked about with Hawkinson and Gasicki, the, the tight end landscape, it's it. there's a lot more. I think we're going to see more depth moving forward. But depending on who I have on my roster, that would be one that I could see going either way. Uh, what about James Conner? I'd rather have Singletary. Yeah, I want nothing to do with James Conner at this point. And what about Austin Eckler? Austin Eckler there. Okay, so you're going, I think, just Eckler, right? Was that the only one? Yeah, Eckler is the only one that I would take over Singletary. Okay, Dan, over to you. Singletary or Adam Thielen? I'll go Singletary. Give me the youth. All right, and I think you hate Tyler Boyd, so Singletary over Boyd? <laughs> Hate's a strong word, John. <laughs> um, but, you know, hey, we, they're both young here, but I'll go with the running back, Singletary. What about Ertz? Regular scoring, dynasty, give me Singletary. James Conner? 
I'm going to go a little different here. Yeah, this one's tough. I'm definitely skeptical. Uh, I could be talked out of it. But as long as the Steelers don't do anything different in the offseason, uh, I, I invested heavily in Connor this year. I think I split my shares between him and Dalvin Cook. It did well with the Cook Leagues, obviously not as well with the Connor Leagues. Uh, but I'm still Connor strong. I'm going to stick with him. His biggest issue and biz- biggest obstacle is the injuries that are piling up. And if he can take care of that, then I, I-, I like him. But it's he's he's too much of an injury risk at this point. And then lastly, what about Austin Eckler? I think same answer as earlier in the show. It all depends whether he's the guy or not or if he's in that third down role still. So unless he's the guy, I- I'd go with Singletary. It, I'm glad that we left on Austin Eckler because I have him as a buy. And it you guys mentioned it already. There's really not much more to say, but it really does depend on what happens here heading into 2020. I think we would be shocked to see Melvin Gordon return to the Los Angeles Chargers. I, but Austin Eckler, his contract is also up here after the 2019 season. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. I do think he gets re-signed. He turns 25 in May. He's a young running back over 1,500 scrimmage yards. And the thing that I really liked about him, since Melvin Gordon came back in week five, Austin Eckler, he didn't see over 60% of the snaps once, not once. So that makes his running back four performance in PPR that much more impressive. He's not a typical bell cow, but he doesn't have to be if he's used in the passing game. 92 receptions, 3.23 yards after contact per attempt. That's 10th of all running backs with at least 100 carries. Melvin Gordon ranked 40th in that same category. So I think there's upside with Austin Eckler, but like you guys already hit on, it really does depend if he's given control of that backfield and maybe not necessarily given control, but if he at least has the same role, we don't want to see the Chargers spend draft capital on another running back and we don't want to see them bring in another big free agent. But again, that's something that we'll dive into more on the contract episode. So the three guys going around him right now, and we might see a little bit of a spike because again, this ADP isn't truly up to date, but Dan, Austin Eckler, Marlon Mack. This is a tough one. I've heard Mack be called the uh, poor man, Derek's Hen- Derek Henry, and I can kind of see that, uh, but I'm a little big, bigger believer in the Colts than the Chargers. So give me Marlon Mack. All right. Evan Ingram. Got to throw a tight end in there. I'm just not feeling Evan Ingram. I haven't been. He still hasn't produced. I don't know if he could stay healthy. I'd almost rather wait and get Mike Gusecki at this point and take Austin Eckler. And then, once again, because it's in the same range, David Montgomery. Ugh, this one's brutal. Uh, I'll stick to my little commentary on Montgomery earlier. I'm just going to roll the dice on his upside at this point because I, I don't know what's going on with Eckler yet. And that we don't know what's going on with the Chargers yet, even with the Phillip Rivers situation. So I'll go with Montgomery as of today. I just I want nothing to do with David Montgomery. For me personally, <laughs> and, and, I, and you guys Understandable. know Understandable. Right, and you guys know how I felt about Marlon Mack coming into the season. But I think... Him and Austin Eckler are kind of in similar situations. Marlon Mack has another year on the contract still, but what happens at that point? Is he going to get paid? I don't know. He uh, Injuries are piling up for him as well. And while I was really high on him, his target share, I, it was like 3% this year, which was actually a decrease from 2018. So Austin Eckler over Marlon Mack. Austin Eckler over David Montgomery for me without a doubt. And then depending on my tight end situation, it's a coin flip for me for Eckler and Ingram. Mitch, what about you? Are you taking any of those three over Austin Eckler? No, I'm definitely taking Eckler off all those. Now I was just going to mention real quick that this is, I think this might be opposite of what the popular opinion would be. But if Philip Rivers comes back and Austin Eckler gets re-signed there, I'm going to try to get Austin Eckler on every single team. Some quarterbacks just love throwing to their running backs. And if Philip Rivers is there, Austin Eckler is going to get another 100 targets. And I want to be part of that. 
That's a good point. That's why I was going with the Philip Rivers thing. If he comes back, I mean, he either throws it deep to Mike Williams, Keenan Allen has his occasional games where he loves throwing to Eckler. So you know, I'd probably avoid all of these guys, but might lean towards Eckler for that upside, depending on his situation. Now, I think that's the tricky thing about Dynasty because it's all about timing. I think right now is the time to buy Austin Eckler. The Melvin Gordon situation hasn't completely panned out. It hasn't played out yet. So once he leaves, I think we see a little spike in Eckler's value. If he gets re-signed, we see more of a spike. If they don't spend solid draft capital on a running back or bring a big free agent in, more of a spike. So it's definitely a risk that you have to be willing to take, but he's somebody that I'm going to look at in several leagues and see if I can get at a reasonable price. Now, if the owner's trying to price gouge me, I'm not, I'm going to veer away, but it's somebody that I'm definitely going to look at because I think right now he's at a reasonable price. And again, only 24 years old right now. I, I think that might surprise people. He still has a lot of a lot of tread left on those tires, especially with his limited usage in years past. So somebody that I'm looking to buy here early in the offseason. Before we wrap up tonight's show, quick hitters, just throw some names out. And Dan, we'll start with you of guys that you might be looking to buy here this offseason leading up to 2020. Sure. Uh, four names tonight I'm giving the audience. Uh, you know, hey, we're the Super Flexology podcast, so two quarterbacks is what we need. And I'm going to mention one is a sell, and that's Baker Mayfield. And I know there's still some people talking Baker Mayfield in our group chats uh, right away after the season, but I don't do well with dysfunction. And whether it's dysfunction in a group chat or dysfunction with an organization like the Cleveland Browns, I want to sell. And unless they bring in some coach that's going to just write that ship and implement discipline and has a good quarterback background, I just don't see it in Baker Mayfield. And I will take so many quarterbacks before him let someone else take them way early Derek Dan, these Carr. are quick hitters dan oh i'll shorten the next ones up <laughs> <laughs> sorry you got me hyped on baker and um hey Derek carr only quick hit there is las vegas baby as long as john gruden doesn't want a new toy I'm I'm kind of enticed about that first season in Vegas, and I think he could be exciting and a good buy low. Andy Dalton, I just think he's going to go somewhere good, and I'm interested to see how he does getting away from the dysfunction of Cincinnati. So I'm interested in buying him very low. Um, and last one would be DJ Moore. You know, he was up there with Zeke and Kill for me. He is just so darn young. I've had so many trade offers for him. I just think he's a hot guy, and if he could just get a good quarterback, I don't think he's had a good quarterback yet. So give me some DJ Moore. Look what he's done with Kyle Allen and Will Greer for crying out loud. So that I, I like those a lot. I like that list. Maybe we could dive into it a little bit more in a future show, but quick hitters, Mitch, it looks like you only have one. Who do you have? Yeah, quick hitters. It'll make it quick. So Kenny Galladay, he led the NFL in receiving touchdowns with 11 this year, and he only got eight games with Matthew Stafford. I think that offense has been really good this year, even though the Detroit Lions absolutely suck. So I want Kenny Galladay on a lot of my teams as well. Okay. I have quite a list here, so buckle up, but I'm just going to run through the names. And I actually thought of two more while you mentioned Kenny Galladay, so I'm going to throw them on too. And it's dependent on the price, but if you have somebody in your league that's an ageist, and we're talking about super flex, we're talking about two quarterback, I'm going to still look at Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford. Those are two guys that I might look to buy if the current owner is looking to get a little bit younger. I also have Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, all quarterbacks that I see rising in value, not just throughout this offseason, but in 2020 as well. Running backs, there aren't really that many that I'm looking to buy because the landscape is going to change so much. So going right to wide receivers, Robbie Anderson probably changes scenery. Preston Williams, he's injured. People have forgotten about him. Deontay Johnson, he has been an absolute stud when given the opportunity and you know, not you know dealing with the lame duck, if you will. Hunter Renfro, I talked about him. 
Auden Tate. I'm excited about that Cincinnati offense. As I mentioned with Tyler Boyd, I'm also looking at Auden Tate. And apparently I love tight ends. I'm looking at Jonu Smith, Blake Jarwin, still Foster Moreau. I talked about him a lot last offseason. Dallas Goddard, he's getting expensive, but he's going to get more expensive if Zach Ertz, if he's not there. So still Dallas Goddard and still my guy, Ian Thomas. So I'm talking about Ian Thomas, Blake Jarwin, Jonu Smith. All three are relatively cheap right now. And all three are in situations where they played behind an aging veteran that's on their last leg. We're talking about Jason Witten, Delaney Walker, and Greg Olson. All three most likely done after this 2019 season. So those are guys that I'm looking to buy before those retirement announcements go out. Guys, any closing thoughts here? I know that was something that we did for the Start Sit series. Anything for our listeners, Dan? Your first episode? We're gearing up here for the offseason. Hey, it was a blast, man. This is a great first episode. Uh, Jason Witten will never be done, John. Don't talk like that. <laughs> and uh, going to be following these coaching changes closely, getting ready for our next episode. We're going to see if if some of these coaches, if they're in place by next week's episode. But one of the upcoming shows, we're going to talk about the new coaching landscape, what we can expect. Mitch and I, we did that last offseason. And they were two of my favorite episodes. And I guess I love the Bengals because that was one of the teams that we really dove into last year. Mitch, anything else for the listeners here before we sign off? Just go out there, update your trade bait. And let's go. Absolutely. And hopefully your leagues, they're allowing trades right now. It's always tough when you have that lull in between seasons and you kind of can't, you can't do anything because trading's not open. So the new team here being joined by Dan LaMagna, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. And you're going to be back each and every week with Mitch and myself, everybody that listened, thank you so much. The dynasty content, like we said last week, it's going to be hitting you. It's going to be hitting you hard each and every single week. So make sure you're paying attention for Mitch, for Dan, I'm John Bauer. Follow the show on Twitter at Superflexology. Best of luck throughout the offseason. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Superflexology podcast. If you want the latest news in fantasy football, follow us on Twitter at Superflexology, The Bauer Club, and Dino MC.